and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Thursday, I'm in the studio with Jessie Parker-Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill. I Becky, actually don't like that you've started using my full name. Can you go back to producer Okay, Becky? I was about to ask you, what oh. are you thinking of being full named for about three episodes in a row? We'll go Her back. pronouns are producer slash producer. <laughs> <laughs> they, them, producer, producer. Uh, okay, and producer Becky. That, Thank that you. sound good to you? Yep. Guys, I have breaking news. Ooh. Millie Bright fell asleep while getting oh, a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> this is the breaking what? news. I thought it was going to be did something exciting. Did you send me this? No, or for Dumo. I... Oh, okay, because then I thought, yeah, send us that. I then saw it on my own TikTok. It is crazy. Why is it breaking news? Everyone saw it last night, Flo. Well, sorry, I was just trying to bring some breaking news to the table. <laughs> Have you got a confirmation? I thought you were like confirming like Millie Bright had done a story. Like, yes, I was asleep. <laughs> it was, uh, if anyone hasn't seen this TikTok, right, it hasn't got that many likes or views. That's why I thought maybe it is breaking news. Because normally women's football content on TikTok is flying, but actually but this one... heterosexual. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. There's no hashtag WLW on that one. So. <laughs> For some reason, this one hadn't really hit the real peak FYP yet. But anyway, our friend Fadumo sent us a TikTok of Millie Bright getting an, a, a tattoo added to her a crazy sleeve that she's got going on on her left arm. And she is completely passed out she's while, hard someone, as fucking nails, while someone is tattooing her arm. She's completely out like a lie and I think it just confirms that the woman is bulletproof <laughs> she honestly do yeah I she, mean it is crazy isn't it I'm like how I've never had a tattoo so you guys both have tattoos so you should tell so me mine how is my both of mine are stick and poke what was yours mine was with a gun so stick and poke I think is less invasive and therefore like mentally feels less um, painful because it's less traumatic on the skin um, but it's and it's also weird because it's sort of like dot 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 around you I wouldn't say it hurts it just kind of pinches and then every now and then it might hit a nerve or something you'll be like whoa but it's not super painful I don't know about yours Becky um, mine literally took like 10 minutes it's like one line um, <laughs> with the gun but it was right on my ankle so it's like very close to the bone I don't I mean it was like five years ago mm. six, longer so I don't really remember what it was like but I do remember like holding my friend's hand and because it was right on the bone my, my like leg was like shaking and the woman kept like being like calm down I'm like I am calm like it's just like <laughs> it's a knee-jerk reaction like yeah. I can't stop it so she had to like she was like put her arm down and like really lean on my <laughs> leg like she was like pinning me down um but I mean I, I I don't really remember how painful it was but I definitely wasn't like falling it's asleep music. yeah <laughs> like oh, I could have a nice nap and it looks like a big tattoo Becky and I yeah. have both have quite small tattoos. Again, this mine is was big. ten minutes. I did not have time to fall asleep. <laughs> this was, it looks like hours of work here. Anyway, Millie Bright, you you amaze us week by week. <laughs> we are in awe of your power <laughs> and your strength. So please continue. Um, on today's show, you're going to be talking about the big game on Wednesday night that a lot of us tuned in, into FA Player to watch, and we're going to discuss whether or not it did deliver the goods for the build up and the hype for it. Just lots Spoiler of talk about alert. falling asleep today. Yeah, <laughs> not. Uh, and we're also going to touch on the Champions League quarterfinals that are taking place next week and also talk a little bit about the vacant France national team job. Oh, they want Thierry Henry to do the women's job. Yeah, that's why we're talking <laughs> about Please it, Please keep hun. that in. <laughs> I didn't because... I like read the... Why? <laughs> I read the... So, right, so I read the um, headline in French and yeah. all it was was like... The uh, FFF like are, like are dreaming, dreaming. Yeah, it's such a funny headline. dreaming that they will 
have Thierry Henry as the France manager and I was just like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> and then before the pod flow, flow was like oh yeah we'll talk about it like in terms of like Phil Neville and I was like okay yeah that makes sense like, we're, we're like taking a men's football story and like making it like women's football but he, they want it for the women's job they're dreaming of it apparently. oh my god I have so many thoughts about this well, that's, that's good, good. That's we can good. talk, talk about, about it on the podcast <laughs> anyway let's crack on So Tottenham Leicester, the world stood still to tune into a very glitchy breaking down FA player on Wednesday night. We hyped this up so much. Everyone did, not just us. Everyone was ready on the timeline. Dragging everyone else in. It wasn't just us. <laughs> not just us. We didn't just hype it up. So since we recorded, obviously on Monday's show, for those of you that listened, we were all slating Rian Skinner and saying that Spurs had to make a change. A few hours later, they did. The power of counterpress. The power of counterpress rises again. Yeah, don't we, cross us because we will, <laughs> we will, we will manifest you, you getting sacked. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, were we surprised? I think on Monday's show, we spoke about the fact that although we think Spurs should sack Rian Skinner, we thought that they might wait because of this game on Wednesday night and perhaps if they got a result against... Um, Leicester that would give her a bit more confidence etc etc but actually they did surprise us in many ways by actually making a sensible move that we didn't expect them to make Jesse and Rianne Skinner went on Monday night and then it was like oh shit okay you're actually got to do something now without your head coach and your assistant in charge yeah, I mean, I I was surprised. I thought they might wait until after the Leicester game, but I think it was the right decision because I was just like, it it's like you'd be, you've become an unserious football club if you keep a coach in charge for that long who's not winning anything, right? And I mean, I guess you could argue it worked because they did win <laughs> under Vicky Jepsen, but it looked a lot like Rahan Skinner's <laughs> yeah, football, yeah. so which is you know it probably wasn't going to change that much in I'd- in two days. I think like there's no result that they could have got yesterday with her in charge that that still made sense for them to keep her. So like you may as well get rid of her before. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Even if she'd won, yeah. Like, would you have wanted to keep her for no. the rest of the season? But obviously, everyone was super all in on her. I've never seen such a God. outpouring of love that for her a statement manager. Was too long. That statement was a book. <laughs> it, it was. was too it long. was three pages. I didn't pages. read it. I, I didn't didn't read it. Also, <laughs> I'm happy or sad for you. <laughs> yeah. really... I skim read it just so that I knew there wasn't anything like that would make that meme offensive, and then I posted that on Twitter. <laughs> you were like, no, it's okay. I was like, I have to check. That it's not like she's not like you know my cat died and I'm really sad and like this is a really tough time for me and my family because my cat died so I, I did skim read it but like I was not gonna concentrate on every single word. Sum it up? Could you sum it up? She's had a good sad. time. She sacked. Okay. Well, I also it also annoyed me because if you do in screen if you present and tweet in screenshots, it's also harder to read. Just do it in writing yeah. so that I can read it in in easier way and pay copy for, and paste pay it. Pay for Twitter Blue so that you can do those like four thousand character tweets. Yes. If you want to write an essay, make it accessible. Yep. No, amen to that. But what we should say is, yes, the squad posted tons of messages on Monday night saying, you've changed my life, you're amazing, I'll miss you forever. So <laughs> shout out to Rianne Skinner, I guess, for still being a very impressive, positive leader with her players, even though things weren't working. Which is kind of, I don't know if it's rude to say, but she's been sacked now, but a little bit surprising. No? <laughs> <laughs> she oh, just, I, don't, oh. I don't look at her and think, wow, oh. that's like a woman I'd really like follow into battle go to the trenches for. but I guess she's got a lot of experience in like development doesn't she in that I like- she's a good talker having interviewed her a lot of times I think she is a good talker sometimes I think she was 
kind of in her own world in terms of she never really, really quite had the reality check of we're shit. I think she always kind of told herself we're getting better. There's signs of improvement when actually it'd gone beyond that. But I think she is a good talker in terms of like she clearly knows her football. She, like you say, she is experienced. She can identify things, but there was no sense of direction for how they were going to turn this around. And that was obviously a key issue. But let's get back to Wednesday night's showdown on the FA player. I did enjoy our fave James's tweet <laughs> saying, this isn't box office, it's just box. <laughs> Which I couldn't agree more. Um, it, did, it, it wasn't a classic. It wasn't a classic. The Brisbane Road pitch was terrible. It hasn't been great all season. Spurs haven't looked comfortable moving there. And looking at... Uh, the tweets from people like Tom Gary, Catherine Batty, Sophie Lawson, there were about two men and a dog at the ground on Wednesday night. But Tom didn't reply to me when I asked about the beatboxers mm. and if they I were there. I was just going to ask. The um, FA player commentator talks I about think them. they were. I saw a tweet saying that okay. um, I can hear the beatboxers. Do you think they'll still be with us when we were in the championship? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I they'll be coaching. That <laughs> <laughs> they'll be on the pitch. <laughs> I'm glad the tube strike didn't stop the beatboxers from getting there. That's what's really important. But yeah, it wasn't a classic. We saw, like you say, Jesse, shades of Rianne Skinner in Vicky Jepsen's starting lineup, which isn't shocking. She was Rianne Skinner's assistant. She was the former coach at Liverpool, so she's got experience. But I thought Spurs set up in such a negative way for a game that needs to save your season, really. It was all or nothing. Spurs looked so unbelievably poor and boring and narrow and negative. They were so deep for the whole entire game. And... All in all, in reflection, I think Leicester were the better team and should have won the game and will be fuming that they didn't come away with anything. I mean, it's hard to say if Leicester were the better team because they were both <laughs> awful. <laughs> like, if anything, the FA should have watched that game and just relegated them both <laughs> because it was dire. But I agree that given Leicester's position and squad, they, they do take the kind of plucky underdog title. And yeah, that, I mean, Spurs offered nothing. Like Ruby Mace was just kind of standing in midfield, like <laughs> sweeping everything up. Like she had a great game, to be fair. She looked really good, but the, it wasn't hard, was it? I mean, and yeah, I the starting lineup was strange because they were basically playing three nines as their front three and so many central midfielders <laughs> so many central midfielders and you know Spurs' squad is a bit weird in that sense anyway and like they have had loads of injuries and and things like that but um yeah I mean Beth England's goal was great that's why you buy a player like Beth England if that's what keeps them up it was probably £250,000 well spent but really, she can't do it every there. game, though. Exactly, we she's saw done her it for quite a I mean, lot. Yeah, she's suppose, done yeah. it ever since she arrived. She scored, you know, some scrappier, close-range goals. But think about that goal against Manchester United, where she ran about thirty yards and pinged one in. Yeah, but it means fuck all in the end because they didn't. Well, win. they didn't get a result in that game. But she will keep doing this, even if they don't end she up. She won't winning keep any doing games. it in the championship. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, she definitely won't. Oh my God, can you imagine Beth England in the championship? <laughs> it would be. She great. She'd get about thirty eat. goals. Yeah, it'd be like when I, Ivan Tony. What was Ivan Tony's record? Or when did Mitrovic a, break it? it Didn't oh, they in, both of them score about like 50 goals? In the yeah, but when he was in the championship. Who's going to save her yeah. if they get relegated? Someone has to. 
What, who will buy she her? She can't be playing it down there. She won't. She won't. And I think they'll stay up, to be honest, by the skin of their teeth. But I think they will. This Obviously, this result gives them a little bit of breathing spray, space. But I think going forward, I don't know if there are plans. It's unclear at the moment. And it was unclear in the club's statement about the future of the head coach position and whether Vicky Jepson's going to now lead them for the rest of the season or what. But... They look so bad and I just wonder what they do now because they they do need to make some changes in terms of like you can't obviously make any changes now with the squad and the depth because there's no transfer window but they just need to use the players they've got in a better way. Their squad is like ridiculous. Like mm. if you look at the players they've got there is no reason they should be this bad at football. It doesn't make any sense at all. But for some reason it's like the worst thing I've ever watched it's like <laughs> the greatest example of like that having a manager matters yeah. because mm. sometimes and I think especially in women's football this has maybe been more true in the past that if you have just really good players like you'll be fine we used to say that about Gareth Taylor a lot but I think that City have evolved a little bit more this season yeah. but we used to say about Gareth Taylor City that the individual talent was kind of grinding them through games and I think he's done better to get hold of and create an identity now than they and have maybe in the past. Spurs is the best evidence of how far the WSL's come that you can't have like a squad full of kind of elite play- players who played at the highest level players who played for title winning sides and do well like because yeah I mean for me I think the the attack is like always been the problem and it just doesn't make any sense because actually I, I think that's the strongest element of their squad especially when everyone's fit but who knows and that is their I think third clean sheet of the season they had one against Brighton and I think they had one other at the start of the season. So maybe that's something to build off, but their defence has not looked good this whole season. We talked about it a lot on Monday. Leicester, I think there's still reasons to be cheerful. They were really unlucky with that goal mouth scramble that we couldn't quite see because there was a glitch in the matrix as it happened. And we have to credit Charlotte Richardson on comms because she was having to deal with that terrible stream, trying to commentate a game that half the time is pixelating and you can't I like even the, see. when she was like, you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. So the chance that Leicester had just before Bethany England ping one in from like 35 yards, it was a goal-mouth scramble, but the camera just completely glitched. So we had no idea what was going on. But there was a chance that probably didn't go over the line, but we couldn't see. And then it hit the bar. And then Spurs literally went up the other end, just booted it. And, and Bethany England did her thing. There's just no identity. There's no passion to play. We've talked about this a lot. But at least with Leicester, I feel like they kind of know what they want to do. They are going to go for it. They are going to try and counterattack at speed. They haven't got the quality. But I still actually think... They could still maybe pull this off. I do think I do think they might go down, but I think it's going to be the best challenge that we've seen from a bottom team because they just look much more organised and they've got Janina Leipzig in, in goal who is elite, right, Jesse? So that's going to give them the foundation that they need. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all you need to kind of know about Janina Leipzig is, is someone, uh, a German journalist did an interview with her, like talking about her move to Leicester and being like, oh, were you disappointed that like Marla Gross, who's currently Bayern's number one goalkeeper, got the nod over you? And she was like, yeah, I just was like a bit ill, like towards the start of the season and Marla's already a great goalkeeper, blah, blah. But I was like, yeah, that's a player who feels like hard done by that she could have been playing for Bayern Munich. And like, that's the level we're, we're talking about, right? Um, I thought defensively, 
They look great. They looked really well organized. They definitely have a game plan within their means. And maybe that's like the difference between like a Spurs where you do have almost better players. So you're trying to do something like way more complicated than you need to. But definitely with Leicester, it's just like they look very solid. And there are plenty of teams in the WSL who aren't great going forward. So even if you pick up a couple of points here and there, like you're talking about draws, right? Like the fact that Brighton and Reading and even Spurs, because I don't think any of us believe that Spurs are going to massively kick on off the back of this. Um, there are enough games to go to to still make it, I think, really tight. I think I think we want all wanted this to be a, a fun game of chaos, obviously, because Spurs had sacked Skinner and it felt like, obviously, if Leicester had won, it would have been a really fun upset. But it was never going to be the be-all and end-all because it's not actually the end of the season yet. No, and there was also never going to be the quality <laughs> to create that. But... Spurs' next game is against Arsenal at home. They probably will lose that game by quite a few goals because their record against Arsenal is not good. Leicester face Aston Villa away and then have Reading at home, which will be a huge game because Reading are not out of the woods yet. They could slide their way into this as well. They're already kind of in it, but they could get themselves into more trouble. So all hope is not lost. That's probably as much as we need to dwell on that slightly boring game. But um, we hope you all enjoyed watching it as much as we did in the FA player. It was a cultural moment, at least. I don't think I've seen the timeline as excited for an FA player game ever. And I want to see the numbers on that because the way that people are all writing, being like, I can't believe I got my hopes up for this dross was really funny. Yeah, there was like a, you know, like a mass, like, illusion about what this game was going to be like based on no Mass reality we were all very deluded yeah. yeah I'm actually really glad um so I was at football training last night and I said I texted group chat and was like can you just send me score updates and when the game kicked off Flo immediately launched into like a live text. it was like BBC Sport Live text and I it was, was like, so good I don't I don't need this I just like I appreciate the effort but all I need is the score like, update free kick for Leicester in a dangerous position <laughs> yeah but then you know at half time I just sent you a few funny TikToks so that's what happened with the game just, TikTok was more interesting than the match at that point anyway let's get into some Champions League previews next okay so Champions League quarterfinals are next week Jesse, you're going on a little tour to Lyon going back Ooh. to the World Cup semi-final and final location for although I didn't go to the World Cup semi-final or final oh, so. oh damn you, you missed out no. on some good vibes and some hot weather but it you have fucking boiling <laughs> I went to Nice that summer you have already been to Lyon already this season I have been to Lyon this season I went it's to annoying. the Arsenal game I know it is annoying when we got the draw I was like why because <laughs> just want to be jet setting, I wanted but... to go to Munich or Rome, and instead I've got to go back to Lyon. But I didn't spend that much time in Lyon before, so I really I've heard the funicular is great, so I'm aiming to do the funicular. I don't. Where is it? What's I think it go I up ha- to? No, I have done it. It goes it... up a hill. Apparently, it's. it's I think like, I have done yeah, it. A really beautiful view. Does of it go up to like the cathedral or something? Well, no, maybe. I, don't know, I didn't maybe do that. Anyway, so you're going to Lyon for this quarterfinal that Chelsea are uh, playing. not on the coach. Is the coach running? Can any Chelsea? <laughs> Fans tell me if they are Jesus. going on the coach because I Why want to would speak you? to you. Yeah. Also, it was a rip-off. Did you see how much was it, Jesse, to get the coach? Yeah, it was like £200. So that's why. If anyone's listening, is anyone's getting the coach, please tell me. Yeah, what I the vibes? You could, like, you could sh- I mean, okay, if you want to be like environmentally friendly, fine, but like, surely you could still get a train for like the same amount. Yeah. 
because it's just well, I'm blind because I don't well. care about the environment. <laughs> <laughs> let, the, let the record show. Let the receipt show. Right. How are you feeling going into this? Because we saw Arsenal dispatch Leon in the Champions League group stages, but it was a very different Leon. They were very depleted because of injuries. Since then, they've had Ellie Carmenter just come back. Sarah de Britz is back. Jennifer Marajan, I think, is back as well. Katarina Macario is nearly there or is close. Ada Hegerberg is perhaps close as Hegerberg well. Hegerberg closer. I don't know if she will play. Like Sonia Bonpastor said, there's no medical reason why she couldn't play it's against Flurry. It's all very vague, Fleury, isn't it? And they play Flurry on Friday um, in the Coupe de France, I believe. Um, but like she wasn't in training yesterday so Mm. I feel like she's maybe still quite a way off being fully fit but I guess maybe we could see her for the second leg but I'd be surprised but also I feel like maybe they'd keep it a secret so they could just just, just launch her yeah um I feel like a Hegerberg-less Leon is a lot less scary than a (laughs) Hegerberg Leon Um, just because I feel like in an attacking sense they they don't have that that cutting edge that obviously Hegerberg gives them Um, I definitely think Sam Kerr could cause Vanessa Gilles and Wendy Renard some significant problems with her movement Um, Selma Basher's been in out the squad because she's not really been fit so that could potentially be an interesting one if Paul Moroni was going to play against Lauren James as well so I feel like it's quite evenly I, I can't I don't know either way who's going to win because I could see either team doing it. But I don't feel like, oh, my God, Chelsea are playing Leon. Mm. Yeah, I'm never going to make that mistake again, though, because that's kind of how I felt at the... Sorry, that I felt the opposite at the Champions League final last year. I was like, Barcelona are going to run away with this. It's going to be great. And then it didn't happen, so... Yeah, but... Godspeed. But <laughs> I'm not saying, like, Chelsea are going to run away with it. I'm saying I think it could go either way. Yeah. But I'm not, like we're about to be destroyed. But yeah, maybe we will be destroyed then. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's definitely an interesting one because we know Leon's pedigree. They've eight-time winners and they shocked a lot of people in that final you mentioned, Becky. I was very drunk and it was very disorientating to so very be very drunk, absolutely boiling, next to a very stressed Jesse because we got in literally just before kickoff. I almost missed my favourite bit of the Champions League, <laughs> the, the anthem. anthem. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then they were like absolutely smashing it. And I was like, what is happening? This is crazy. Well, that is certainly something that Chelsea fans might fear, but you've got the advantage of the home leg second. So that is definitely an advantage. It's going to be at Stamford Bridge. So you feel is like... It? Yeah. I, I have tickets. I thought that's why you bought tickets, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Where did you think you were going? Uh, King's, King's Meadow, Meadow, I guess. Becky, wait, King's Meadow. <laughs> Just <laughs> waiting. Hello, is anyone did here? Because they all have to have VAR oh. in the game, so everyone's at their men's stadium. Okay. I didn't know that. Well, cool. <laughs> Exciting. I'm glad you found out live while we were recording. <laughs> so, yes, they are at Stamford Bridge for the second leg, which is that actually an advantage, Jesse? Because Kings Meadow is well and truly the rock solid home of Chelsea women in terms of they enjoy playing on that small type pitch. They're very comfortable. Emma Hayes talks about that being their real home and, and actually they prefer playing there. So, Actually, even though I've just said it would be an advantage being at home, perhaps the size of Stamford Bridge, the width, could that play into Leon's hand a little bit in that second leg? I don't think any of the size of the pitch stuff really matters to Chelsea or the Chelsea squad because they all are used to playing on big pitches. Like, everyone does it all the time now. Um, 
I think there is an advantage to playing at home because I think even though the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge will obviously be different, I think we've seen Chelsea lean into it. You know, the the game against PSG that they played there just before Christmas, I actually thought was some of Chelsea's like best performance maybe this year. Um, and I definitely feel like Stamford Bridge feels more, has become more of a fit with the women's team than, than maybe it has in the past when they've not played there so much. Um, that being said, obviously, like, Kings Meadow is a, an amazing atmosphere. And I think definitely for the WSL, I'd always prefer us to play games there. But I just think the reality is they were never going to play Champions League games at Kings Meadow. So it's almost like a, Doesn't feels like matter. a moot point. Yeah, and I suppose I, I, I'm just thinking back to how important Kings Meadow was on their charge to the Champions League final, that second leg against Bayern Munich, which... But there was no one there for that. So even oh, then true. you're like... Yeah, well, I forgot it was buying closed doors at that point. Yeah. yeah, But it did feel... It felt like they needed to be in their own comfort zone, I guess. I just think for any team, there's an advantage in feeling like you can go to the away leg and kind of try and keep it tight. Like, play for a draw if you need to... And, you know, even whether you're at Stamford Bridge, whether you're at Kings Meadow, you're still going to be able to have your own routine. You're going to be at home. You're not going to have to travel. Um, all of that kind of stuff, I think, matters. And I think, and you're going to have more fans there. I mean, maybe not for Leon. I don't know how many people are going to sign up because they don't really have <laughs> no, that many fans. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I think I think playing the second leg at home will be a massive advantage for Chelsea. And that's probably why I'd give them the edge, I think, overall. Um but yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. I feel like Lyon are just a strange, strange team right now. Yeah. The other tie involving English team is Bayern Munich. Arsenal, the first leg in Munich. I have been on Arsenal's case all season, much to some Arsenal fans' uh, chagrin, shall we say. Um, and I don't see probably Arsenal or Chelsea winning the Champions League this season. But I do think that Arsenal have just all in all when I like reflect on the entire campaign like left a lot to be desired in the way they played and we know about the injuries yes but I just do think I watched I think all of their Champions League home games at the Emirates and I watched the away legs and I think in all of them apart from the Leon one which was obviously kind of like an anomaly in itself they just never looked really that comfortable never really took control of the games in a convincing way in which you thought right even that game against Juventus, which on paper they should have just cleaned away that match. They just always kind of looked like they weren't going to really take control and be confident and just finish things off. So I think this is wide open for me, Jesse, but I do think Bayern Munich look to be in such a confident place. They've got such a strong squad at the moment. They have looked really good in the league and um, especially going forward. And I just feel like, Munich will edge this one across two legs yeah I feel like Bayern probably are in a better place than Arsenal right now and and have a better squad I think they obviously started the season kind of slow and they like had some some nervy games but obviously beating Barca in the group stages will have been a massive boost the one thing that's kind of interesting about this is that they play Wolfsburg in the league between the two legs and I do wonder how much that will affect them because Wolfsburg lost to Hoffenheim um, the other week so there is an opportunity for Bayern if they were to win that game to kind of go top of the Frauen Bundesliga uh but I feel like this is all going to be all about the midfields because Bayern's midfield is elite, pretty good. And I'd say that's where you'd say Arsenal's strength lies as well, um, especially if, you know, excluding the long-term absentees, everyone is fit. So we see the midfield we expect of kind of Volti, Little and Marnham. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I definitely think Georgia Stanway is obviously kind of the the real name to to watch, and she seems like she's having like the best time in Munich, <laughs> which I think is really nice to see. Um, I think you can see it in the way she's playing football as well. I think she's she's obviously really settled into that team, and I feel like she's come up clutch for Bayern like quite a lot already this season. And she she has become a really really important player for them, and I think because of how good their midfield was that that wasn't necessarily a given there are or at least at the start of the season there there was like competition for for places there um but yeah it it will be an interesting one um i also think you know clara ball is is a player who she's had a bit of like an up and down in her trajectory recently but i feel like again she seems to be on a a good track again like getting better and better so i think that will be interesting to see arsenal try and deal with ball yeah, and in that round, Bundesliga is absolutely neck and neck. Wolfsburg, two points clear. But Bayern have managed to catch up on their goal difference and I think are just maybe three goals behind or something. So they they are putting the heat on Wolfsburg and, and putting the pressure on, which kind of leans us nicely into that Wolfsburg-PSG game because Wolfsburg absolutely blitzed their Champions League group, but it probably was the easiest group of any, I think, on paper. They had Slavia Prague, Roma, and then I can't remember what... St. Pulton. <laughs> of course. Um, so on paper, they did kind of have the easiest groups. So it's not necessarily surprising, but like Bayern, they have a, a very stacked squad. They've got key players who are fit right now which is very important but obviously Alexandra Pop Ewa Pajor Jill Rod Lena Erbedoff Svenja Huth like it's a very good squad PSG not exactly playing their finest football this season and haven't been really setting the world alight so the way that Wolfsburg have performed in the Champions League over the last few years even though like, they struggled against Barcelona in that first leg they had a very good second leg and only just kind of missed out in the end. Do you feel confident, Jesse, that they have enough to get through PSG across the two legs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't see PSG getting through this. Like, if we're talking about Spurs-Leicester being boring, like the PSG-Chelsea games really rivaled <laughs> that level because PSG are, are dull, like... I kind of feel sorry for what for pressure in terms of like what he has to work with because I do feel like it's quite a strange squad, um, and they, they've had like they've struggled with injury. But you've got players like Buhardi, who I don't think is really good enough to play in goal. Um, Elisa Almeida, I don't think is really good enough to be in defence. Um, Sandy Baltimore's kind of come back into the team, and I do think Diani's look good as a nine. Um, even if she's obviously never going to be as good as Katoto. Um, Lika Martins has not set the world alight in Paris. It's all just like fine. Um, <laughs> and I just think Wolfsburg will be too much for them. And we saw when they played Chelsea that they really struggle with the, with the high press and, and Wolfsburg do like to go in high up the pitch. They've got lots of young players who are happy to run and run and run and lots of players they can bring off the bench because, yeah, like you've just reeled off a load of players, but you didn't even mention Eulabrand, Tabia, Vasmov, and Svendis, Jane John Stotter. And that's just because we would be here all day if we were going to go through each of like the exciting young attackers that um, Wolfsburg have. And I feel like Lena Oberdorf will just, like, she could probably deal with all of PSG's midfield just by herself. So I think they'll be fine. She'll just gobble it all up. The last quarterfinal is probably the most David versus Goliath fixture. Roma hosting Barcelona in that first leg. 
obviously, no one really gives Roma a chance in this. They kind of been maybe what the surprise package of the Champions League, but they did benefit with being in that group with Wolfsburg, which probably helped them maybe secure that second spot compared to say the fact that Chelsea had PSG and Real Madrid in that group. But they are a good team. They've also had a good season in Syria, but I think even though they're giving all the positive stuff in the lead up to this game saying like we can pull off a Champions League miracle Jesse it's going to be some task trying to beat Barcelona or even just get a result in that first leg to then take to the new camp and deliver something yeah I feel like Barcelona have really found their form as well I think the past I feel like at the start of last at the start of this season uh, it, you could tell that they were missing Alexia and you could tell they hadn't quite worked out how to play without her. But kind of the past couple of months, they've they've gone even more supersonic uh, than they usually do. And you've seen players come back from injury. Obviously, Carolina Graham Hansen was out for a while. Um, Oshawala was out for a while at the start of the season, but she's come back. She looks in, in really, really good form. Um, I think they've got the kind of mental boost of knowing that Alexia is kind of potentially back around the corner. Uh yeah, I don't I don't see Roma getting anything out of this. But it's uh lovely for Vicky Lasada who never got to play at Camp Nou, obviously uh long servant at Barcelona and now at Roma. So we'll get that opportunity and that's a nice story at least. <laughs> yeah, that's very nice and romantic. I like that, but it is going to be a massive challenge. Taking your Chelsea hat off for a second. Impossible. Take that little hat off, put it on the table. Please be honest. Tell me who do you think will win the Champions League this season? Uh, Barcelona. You think Barcelona? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, listen, as Becky said, I think we all thought Barcelona would win the Champions League last season. But I think they all have learned from that. I, I think Barcelona can be got at, but I just think they're, they have so much strength and depth. It's... It's really, really hard to to look past them. And I think ultimately you've got to, in all knockout competitions, you're always going to have that thing of being like, who knows what could happen? And if you're going to make predictions, you have to take a step back from that. But And on paper, Barcelona just are the best team out of all eight of these teams, in my opinion. Yeah, and the only time you really think they could come undone would be in the final when it's just one leg straight mm, shooter. That's exactly it. I think yeah. over 180 minutes, it's just hard to feel like any team could get, especially because they will also have their the second leg of their semi-final at home and the Camp Nou is just like such a crazy venue um, for to, for football to be playing. The atmosphere is amazing and I think you can, you've seen, you know, last year how much strength Barcelona <laughs> took from playing in front of that crowd and I I can't see anything else happening. Yeah, maybe in the final in a one-off game, like I, I think Wolfsburg will probably be the other team who make it to the final and Maybe Wolfsburg will feel because they've beaten Barcelona before that they could do it again in the one-off. But yeah, it's hard to look past Barca. Yeah, the Barca fans really do turn up as well for those big home games at the new Camp. And like you say, Piteus also could potentially be back for the semi-final and the final. I don't. I mean, she's teasing that you know she's I think training. She would be but... back for the semi-finals. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if they'd bother risking her in the quarterfinals, no, especially no. against Roma. But I think for the semi-final, she'll be back. So they'll have even more firepower. But yeah, it's hard to see anyone kind of being able to to challenge them. And even when we've seen 
I mean, say take Arsenal last season, tried two very different game plans for the home and away leg and both of them just completely <laughs> fell apart. Like it's really hard to try and set up in a way that you're going to try and really match up to Barcelona. Wolfsburg did that in the first leg of the semi-final and completely came undone. So, you know, they rescued things in that second leg. But yeah, it is really, really hard, isn't it? To try and kind of almost predict or kind of like out game plan the, the queens of just like... I think you've got to go hard and you've got to get a little bit lucky um, because I think, you know, there are teams in Spain who who obviously play Barca more regularly, uh, Levante, Sociedad, who've shown up points this season. Like there are ways to um, contain Barcelona. I mean, it doesn't always work. And I feel like normally what happens is obviously Barcelona's squad's so good that in Spain they eventually like wear down whoever, even if the, the team's game plan is good, that by the time people are bringing on substitutes or the the opposition are tiring. Barcelona just have more and more players they can can bring on the pitch. But I definitely think there's a different energy around Barcelona that because of the loss to Leon and the you know loss to Bayern, the loss to Wolfsburg, there are plenty of games you can look at and see like how you can beat Barca. But yeah, I do think you have to get you have the your your chances have to go your way. You know, and I don't want to like talk about the. Chelsea Barca Champions League final but <laughs> ever again ever again but like that I think that's an example where you know stuff went Barca's way and Chelsea had chances and they couldn't take them and and that's that's when stuff unravels very very quickly if you can't do that yeah one last thing I want to touch on before we go today is the vacancy at the France national team because obviously, obviously we spoke about Karine Diacre eventually departing last week so that job is now up for grabs there's been a few different people linked to it but L'Equipe reporting this morning that the one the only uh, Mr Thierry Henry is potentially in the running for that top job and the translation Becky is that they might be dreaming of it, they dr- it? they're dreaming of it they're yeah. dreaming can of it can someone superimpose on the Millie Bright TikTok like a dream bubble with Thierry Henry's <laughs> face <laughs> that would be very good um, we were talking about this before we recorded Jesse about the pros and cons because I think this has really split people. Like James Lewis was tweeting about how this would be amazing for the women's game, especially. And it does bring up sort of the ghost of Phil Neville a little bit in parts. And we're going to talk about that. But then also Sophie Lawson tweeting, you know, someone please maybe give me a little bit more detail about the Montreal side of things. But she reflects on the fact that when you look at Henri's coaching career on the surface, apart from specific work with that attackers when it comes to maybe Belgium he hasn't had that much positive impact and when you're being thrown into a team with just a few months to prepare for a World Cup that and a team you don't know is that a great idea now we all know when Phil Neville came in a lot of it was Boo, a, bra- yes. <laughs> a lot of it was a branding exercise because of his status in the English men's game and what he could do for English women's football but he had very few actual coaching credibility and experience Henri does have more than that, Jesse. We said that before, you know, earlier before we started recording. He does have more behind him. Head he's got, coach at he's Montreal. He's got bigger status and he's got actual experience. So, like... Is he the complete package? If we're comparing it to the Phil Neville uh, appointment, great, do it. Well, I, but I mean... it's still on a bad scale. Yeah, I, I was saying this to Flo before we recorded, but I was like, I understand why people... It gives people Phil Neville vibes, but I think it's deeply offensive to Thierry Henry. <laughs> Because if I'm a player sat in a dressing room and Thierry Henry and Phil Neville walks through the door, <laughs> like, 
Those are not like legends on the same This level. is the only time Phil Neville and Thierry Henry have ever been spoken about in the same breath. <laughs> I was going to say, I would love if you put Phil Neville in the France dressing room and saw what the reactions were to that. That would be hilarious. But yeah, it is very different. He was head coach at Montreal Impact in MLS. He was also head coach at Monaco very briefly. He's been assistant or was assistant at Belgium for a while. He does spend most of his time doing media stuff, but that doesn't say that he can't get back into head coaching quite quickly. He's obviously very well respected and a legend of French football. I think the fear that I have is maybe similar to the one that Sophie was talking about on Twitter, which is like, do you actually have the core coaching leadership thing? Because I think... What he's shown with Belgium and what he could show with France is that he could be like an amazing mentor figure, you know, and 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 really provide a bit of motivation, a bit of experience to say, I know what it's like at a World Cup. I know what it's like to win a World Cup and be part of that dressing room. But when it comes to head coaching, trying to lead a group that is quite dysfunctional right yeah, now. Yeah, they're chaotic. That but is then hard. That's why I also think there's, and this isn't necessarily to say that Henri should do it, but there's a benefit in looking towards men's football potentially in terms of getting and totally new face in, potentially to unite that dressing room. And you can understand why in a French context, Henri is seen as the perfect figure for doing that. I mean, maybe if they want a really good, iconic French coach, they should get Zidane or something. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I feel like also... It all depends, I think, on what the the French Football Federation see as like the long term view. Because I can also see if they're just saying to or when they're sounding out potential coaches to be like, just do the World Cup and then we'll talk. If you're like a Sonia Bompastor or even someone you know managing elsewhere in um, the Division R, why would you want to potentially leave your job, yeah. job for something which? might go rubbishly for you because whoever takes the job will only have a couple of months. Um, You might not then have a job after the World Cup and then you're kind of like... So I can see Mm. how it's not necessarily an obvious choice for lots of candidates. And I think the frustration about the Phil Neville appointment came from, like, this was something the FA had kind of... Like, they... They, they had time to think about they it. They thought mm. this was a great plan, like long term. Whereas I feel like if you were going to say like, okay, Thierry, take it. You yeah. know, you've got, what, four months, do the World Cup. We'll it's kind see of risk where we free are for him. after that. It's, it's risk free. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, Becky, on that, it kind of feels risk free for both parties, right? Because like you say, it's kind of just a roll of the dice. Like this World Cup campaign is probably going to be a bit dire and could be a mess for a variety of reasons it's not going to be down to really Thierry Henry because there is so little time that you kind of it's a lose-lose almost so you might as well just Henry has vibes it can, well, you've got to lean into yeah, the vibes it could be really iconic but I did see an interesting clip from him um, I think he was doing some punditry and talking about <laughs> it, was, it was basically he's obviously so fucking good at football and he like it seemed like he couldn't quite understand why these players that he was he was coaching couldn't do what he could do and he couldn't like <laughs> express it yeah he couldn't he couldn't like get them to he couldn't coach them because he was like well you should be able to do it. Like, it's easy. I, I'm, I'll show you. Um, so, like, I think maybe maybe like that's why he's not a very... He hasn't been so successful as a coach because he hasn't quite mm. understood that, like, he's really good at football and maybe, like, the people that you'll be dealing with... But can you imagine... I would love him to coach could, you, Becky. Could Toto, Diani <laughs> hey. and Baltimore, if, you know, if Touchwood Katoto's fit, being 
coached I mean, by Henri. That would be amazing. I, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, I think I love it. And I think it would be Let's, great. Because also it is, yeah, it's just like, it is a roll of the dice. Like, see what happens. Like, I do understand why people are like, you know, you want people who are involved in women's football to get opportunities. Like, you don't want, like, jobs for the boys. But also there is a limited... Yeah. pool of people and he's a great boy <laughs> he's a great boy <laughs> jobs for great boys <laughs> that's what we advocate at counterpressed <laughs> so why not I, I do I, I think as well in the toxic situation that France are in and actually just French women's football as a whole we've seen up and down the whole of the domestic league maybe it's time for a clean break and not to hire wrong-uns from across the women's <laughs> game in France and just to plug in a good vibes good lad who can just make people a little bit excited and tune in again Phil Neville I'm just getting in my digs now. <laughs> Had zero <laughs> head coach experience. At least Thierry has that. I mean, again, he might not have been that successful, but at least he has done it. So, yeah, you, we, it's only a step up. Yeah. The next international window is in a couple of weeks, start of April. So you imagine they're going to have to make a move fairly quickly because I want someone in for that camp. So we'll keep you updated on that. There are a few other less exciting people also in the running, but we don't want to talk about that because that's boring. Don't care about them. I will say Hervé Renard, I think, would be a yeah. lot of yes. fun yeah. as well. That I felt like never felt, that sounded like more fake news than the Henri thing because the rumour seemed to just be a bit random. Whereas I do actually think this could be legit. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's touch on that probably next week. We'll see what happens. Lekeep, always a little bit chaotic anyway, so wait to see where the reports I'll go. I'll be dreaming of Tia. We'll be dreaming of But thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week on Monday. See you then.